part of me is glad that wasn't recorded. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously it wasn't being serious. But, yeah. Um, We're recording now. Oh, wonderful. Hello and welcome. <laughs> this is my phone voice. Welcome to the community. This is my phone voice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We had to do it through the phone again. That's all right. They'll have to get used to it. No. Not you, but other people. Oh. Also, no. I don't want them to have to get used to it. We need production quality. Yeah, but if we want to get stories from around the globe. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Good morning, everybody. Or whatever time of day you're listening to this. I hope you're having a good drive home or a good morning on the treadmill with your coffee or yes on the treadmill your elliptical machine whatever the hell you're doing um we have a an interesting episode for you this week but close close to home if you will uh, oh. oh they'll get it in a minute um um, but I want to step on my soapbox for like a second before we get to the episode. Go, go for it. Um, I've been seeing a lot of shit online about basically people policing trans people, more specifically trans people policing trans people. Um, a lot of people like the biggest one that that's been getting to me is like, like you don't try to pass so you're not trans. Um, because, um, well, because I'm a trans man, I speak from, like, that perspective, and that's where I get a lot of my information is from the trans male community um, or the trans masculine community. But I've been seeing a lot of stuff like, oh, well, if he dresses like quote-unquote girl then like he's not trans or like he's not trans enough but really quick I just want to say the my go-to if you are being a shitty person or not is would you police a cis person on this so would you police a cis guy on dressing feminine and if the answer is no, then you shouldn't be policing a trans guy undressing feminine. So that's 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 where I'm at. You heard it here, folks. So stop policing trans people and you know what? Let people be who the fuck they want to be and just respect the pronouns that they tell you to use. Full agreement. That's very reasonable. So yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> that was that was my soapbox for the day. This soapbox has been brought to you by the community. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, just let people be. Just leave them alone. Let people be the people they are. Who cares? Who do you care? Ow. Yeah. Sorry. Also, a lot of my people cat. don't. <laughs> Handsome. My cat bit my finger. Yeah. Sorry, I was roughhousing <laughs> on the cat. Ow. Um. Sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, some people don't have the access or the ability to start transitioning if that's the path that they want to choose. Some people don't have, like, the money or they're not 
living with a supportive family or, you know. The resources, yeah. Yeah, some people just can't transition because you want them to pass as the gender that they are. Like, (laughs) it's not about you. This is true. 100% not about you. Anyways, so this week. On the community. On the community. Um, the long-awaited episode of my partner <sighs> is happening. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, that was her in the background as I record this well... intro. <laughs> uh, how did you like the episode, Jared? I enjoyed it very much because as far as a host of something, this was a great guest. It was very easy. You know, I feel like I really didn't have to do any work. I feel like there's some really funny moments, some really touching moments. Um, and, you know, Bree is kind of the perfect guest, someone who's willing to really talk, but also really share about themselves. And I loved it. I was, I actually, you know, I edit the episodes and, um, as a result, I, I'll re-listen to them always, once or twice. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really enjoyed listening to this one and having to edit it. And I got to put in the beep drops a couple, few more times. So, Oh, yeah. The- <laughs> I got to beep out some things in this episode, which is always fun. And you're like, oh, this is neat. I got to make it a whole other section and Censorship. splice this in properly. And yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anyways, I I don't have much to say about it. <laughs> I live with Bree, so mm. I get her all day. Let's all pray for Mason. Hey, um. <laughs> be nice. <laughs> I bet that with a lot of love. I know. Come on. Comedy. Well, we're not in person, so it's not as easy. Um. <laughs> all right, folks. I Why don't we get to the episode? Yeah, and we'll have more. Um, I know we talked about something being exciting, and that's not happening this week. My apologies, but it's coming. Next time. It's Next coming. time. So, yeah. Have a good week, folks. Enjoy the episode. Have, have a good week, everybody. Bye. So this week, on the community, I didn't realize what that, that's what the finger guns meant to me for me to talk. We have a we have a very special guest. Heck yeah, bitch! Oh. <laughs> you could, that's fine. You can swear. We're we're explicit. We have the explicit warning. Listening back on last week's their last episode, I swore a lot in the intro of that. I felt kind of bad afterwards, but that's fine. I was in a mood. Um, we have. Very special guest. The one, the only. We're going to try to keep this as professional as possible, but it's probably not going to work. It's not. Um, Fool ourselves. It is that time for my partner, Brie, to be on the on the cast. Hello, that's me. Brie Angela, Brie Rex. Yeah, all the nicknames that Jared has come up with. I have so many nicknames at work, too. Yeah. Brie Star. Wow. Oh. And breezy, 
Breezy you, Bear. You work for a uh, very, do. very controversial um, little company uh, right now. Oh boy, I work for the one and only Starbucks. Woo! Don't, don't be an independent, Howard Schultz. Pew pew pew. Um. <laughs> So we're starting off right at. Right, yeah. So I was right going to say, it. I was like, we're going to go right into this? <laughs> yeah, Howard Schultz is currently being a dipshit, but I think, <laughs> st- what, is he going to listen to this? Who's, how is he ever going to hear this? Who cares? It's weird that he's a billionaire and he's being an idiot. Um, but I would say that Starbucks is probably a pretty good place to work, right? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. It's the best place I've worked for. Shall I Do you want to tell us some more? Well, oh, okay. Shall I go on? We're we're jumping right in. We didn't even do this the right way. Yeah, we got to do it the way Come we on, always let's, do. Let's it. have fun, you guys. Let's just We're already failing at this whole uh professional thing. Come on, just so, have some fun. Give us your name. <laughs> My name is Bree Drew. And your um your pronouns? She her guess. I don't really care. And um Give us a little of your backstory. Um, I mean, that's that's like an open-ended question. I, I always tell too much about myself, but um, I don't really know. I I live with Mason. I date Mason. Uh, we've been dating for four and a half years, which is, you know, pretty sweet since I've liked him since I was very young. Um, yeah, since I was 11, did you know? What? Oh my God, can we talk about <laughs> this story? No, I've never so, heard this. So, sixth grade, me, and he was in eighth grade, and oh, I older. was, I saw him Mysterious. at a dance, dumb dance. It might have been the dance that someone stole my really cool purple glow-in-the-dark watch that I got for Christmas that year. Just say, sh- whoever stole it, I'm, I'm really bitter. I still miss that watch, but... Okay, Jared. so real quick, for me, not the listening audience, I would like to hear, do you remember exactly what he was wearing? I was about to get to that, yes. Thank you. I want to know was... what you were wearing and what he was wearing because the 90s or the whatever, whenever it was, it was a magical time. Well, actually, all I remember was wearing probably what I wear now because I still dress like I'm, I don't know. I mean, I dress like I'm 14, but I was 11 at that point. I think I was probably wearing some like pirate shirt, like a black t-shirt with like a pirate on it and like some jeans or something, unless it was like my phase where I was trying to wear like the brand names, but I didn't, I, it wasn't there. I wasn't at that yet, but Mason was wearing a black t-shirt. It was like a, a Gumby t-shirt and it said yes. shit on it or no, it said damn. I think it said damn. damn. I don't think it said shit, but it was like a swear word. And I remember I like complimented him on it and he was like, he laughed about it. And then I had a crush on him. And, like, in my middle school yearbook, there were, like, a few people that I had, like, certain symbols next to, like, a star if I was, like, really, I guess, like, thought they were funny. But there was, like, a heart next to him and, like, two other people. Anyway, he didn't care. Um, But then we met again when I was a freshman in high school. And we were both mall rats. He was at the end of his mall rat days, but I was right in it. And he happened to go. You were a freshman you were a junior? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we were walking around the mall and then I was with my group of people and he was like, oh, here I am. And, uh, we ended up going into some store and he had like this rainbow belt on, like this gay ass, like, uh, going to Spencer's, you nerds. Belt. Yeah. 
Um, and I complimented on it and then he like paid attention to me. So then we hung out outside of the group there. Then we would IM all the time. <laughs> and our favorite bands we established were the same, The Used and Paramore. So then he would bring me You like, still love Paramore. What are you making that face for? But I mean, come on now. And <laughs> I'm then, just this cringing like, at this whole thing. <laughs> and so then we talked a lot and then I would, um, I had a huge freaking crush so then like after on my way to lunch in freshman year for like a few months I'd be going down the hallway going towards the cafeteria and then he had a class in the hallway that was in between there and then he would come out to give me a hug and then we would get a really I would get a really big hug so I but I walked past my other crush on the way from that class I went from an art class so I had two crushes excuse me this is about me (laughs) Okay, so anyway, let's... This is about Brie. This is um, Actually, everything's about me. I'm totally kidding. And um, so we would hug. And then I remember one day he just like stopped. And then, um, but I can say that there was another time that I was walking to school one day and then I noticed a car like driving up ahead, like driving beside me. And I was like, who is this? But then I like looked up, he drives, pulls around, like does a big U-turn. And I was like, they're going to kill me. But it ended up being Mason. He was like, hey, do you want to ride up? And I was like, yeah. So then we hung out. I went to his house once. We walked. Oh, we watched a walk to remember. I definitely like oh. did not impress his parents because I was like a hyper like 14-year-old dork. And then we were friends on and off for a few years. What was the car? I don't it know was what. Henry. Was Henry the PT? It's not a PT Cruiser. It's the oh, one it was everyone the Chevy. Made. It's a Chevy I, HHR. Yes, we were just, I remember that car. We were just mourning him, like on the way here, because like I still like I cried when that when we had to put the car down. You got totaled? No, no. Um, no, but we I sold it to the the dealership to trade in on that. Um, but the the transmission was shot. Oh, okay. Anyway, so um, do you want to talk about? Your storytelling? Because we're already in it. Oh, so wait, what about my storytelling? You know. Well, recently I was hanging out with um, a couple people and uh, it was my former boss. Shout out to Wendy. And she had said to me, because I was telling a story and I just tell the most, like some of the dumbest details, but I'll just say, I don't know. I just have to include every part of it and always bring in the context. And she was like, see, the thing is, is that like, if I told a story like you, everyone would have been tuning out by now and been like, why is she telling this? She's like, but you have a way of telling a story where you're so enthusiastic about it that even though you include a lot of things that aren't necessarily like important to everyone else, people just like are... It's it's magnetic. Your ener- yeah, your energy that you exude or naturally have when you do the storytelling thing. My favorite is when I come over, and it's a story that Mason has clearly heard a dozen times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And he you're still it. telling it as though it like happened an hour ago. Oh, definitely. And Mason's like, I'm gonna be in the other room. Yeah, right? sometimes I'll give literally. Him a I'll up. be like, I guess I'll go to the bathroom. Yeah, I'll be like, I'm gonna tell the story now, and he'll. All right, I'm just gonna go uh, take a break because I have to tell the story, right? I need to get a laugh. It's it's how I connect with people. I mean, you're a pretty like high energy individual. Do you ever have times where you're like? I've never seen you really like off. Well, I I am off a lot. Um, I think it happens. So I definitely get a lot of my energy from being around people. So my day will be entirely turned around if I just go out once. I don't even have to go out and hang out with a bunch of people or see a bunch of people I know. But even if I just go out to 
a store real quick, just being around other human beings, I think fuels me a little bit more, but I do need time to decompress because as I'm sure people need time to decompress from me, uh, <laughs> let's be honest, it, it is a lot. Um, but I think that if I'm around other people, like it can be, I can be honest and say like, okay, I'm not feeling so great. Like we've talked about it, but I may not, um, show it as much as my, in my energy, but it's usually not like a hiding it kind of thing. It's more just, I just, I guess I'm in the moment. And so if I'm feeling good, then I can kind of be like, okay, so right now I kind of want to die, but not, not really please. Oh God, I don't actually want to die. I'm hyperbole, just afraid. Hyperbole. Right. It's just, it's, that's the way my brain works where I'm just like, okay, the end. But, um, <laughs> it's really just, it's an, it's a matter of overwhelm. Um, but I, I do struggle a lot with, with depression, like, chronic debilitating depression and anxiety and have for a very long time and it's really informed my experience living but i don't know if i <laughs> living i'm sorry that's very heavy but it is the truth so i do have off times very often what's i think well, we've had private conversations about this where it's like i feel like you and i have a lot of similarities and oh, yeah. that's why Mason hates it when the two of us get together and gang up on him. I think that's how he feels about so many of our friends because I just, he's like, oh, all right, this is happening again. Well, people, I think people attract like similar people, like whatever your personality is. Mm -hmm. I love you guys. Oh, we love you too. Begrudgingly. Um, (laughs) So do you want to tell us about, um, about, where where you've come up in the queer community like where i feel like like when you figured out you were queer and like that kind of shit um well i know that growing up see you tell you ask me any story and um i'm gonna tell you something like from 15 years ago i mean i'm ready for the whole context okay so he says okay as if he wasn't already aware, but I remember I was sitting in my grandma's living room when the toxic video for Britney Spears came on, mm-hmm. and I was sitting there. I was probably waiting for the school bus, school bus number 35. Shout out to Dan, my bus driver. Oh my I remember, I remember everything. This. It's so weird. Holy Every shit. time we would leave the bus or get on the bus, he would say, he would say, watch your step, use the handrail. Watch your step, use, use the, the handrail. handrail. And then and he would announce all the streets. Just for, for context of how good your memory is, how old are you now? I'm 23. And how old were you then? Um, it was elementary school, so 5 to um, 10 years old. The memory is disgusting. When she said I was 11 in sixth grade, I was like, is that how old you are? Like, I don't, I have, in my head, I'm like, I don't know how old I was in school. <laughs> well, also, I was <sighs> I was born in 95, so all of the beginning of my school years, stop with the, with the head shake, um, all of the beginning of my school Not years. at you, Brie, oh. at me. <laughs> oh, okay. So, like, my, in sixth grade, I started in 2006. So that's how the math works for me because math is hard. And um, so what was the question? Oh, right. So Dan, yeah, he watch your step. You use the handrail. I, if he would announce this Catherine street and he would just announce where we were going. So anyway, waiting for the school bus and Britney Spears. And I was like, Oh, I have a feeling inside my body. And that was a thing that I thought, but I never, luckily I didn't experience a a ton of shame. Like over the years, I kind of just felt very normalized, but that's kind of how I felt a lot about aspects of myself is I was always just very, um, even if I didn't like certain parts of myself, it was just, okay, well, here's how I feel. So in middle school, 
um, I could tell that I was attracted to girls. Um, but I mean, also guys usually, but I don't know. I just kind of knew it was, was it like some big thing that I was worried about? And then, um, also a lot of other people were talking about it. Like I know that you and I had a conversation on AIM and you had informed me that I was pansexual and, um, okay. Can we, can we give wait, context to wait, this? So yeah, I'm not wait, like, wait, 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 yeah, wait, yeah, wait, yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. what was your screen name? Oh, <laughs> wait, Flamingo Tango 23. Mason, your screen name? I'd rather not. Okay. <laughs> I know. If I had a gun in my face, I couldn't tell you what it was. I don't have no, I okay. don't remember. Mine was that, unfortunately. But you wanted context, love? I don't know what you were talking, you were talking about. Um, when you informed me that I was pansexual. Oh, yeah, I want, I want to, I don't want it to sound like I was like, you're pansexual. <laughs> like we had a conversation of like you sort of suggested maybe this yeah. is a possibility. Yeah, no, he didn't suggest it. He said that I sound like I was pansexual and told me what the definition was, which is very kind. I didn't know all the different things, okay. um, but I, I definitely think that in terms of my identity, it my who I'm attracted to and the way I approach all relationships. I don't know my attraction does correlate with the definition of pansexual, but I just really never liked the name for some reason. Mm -hmm. But that was a thing. And then I sort of came out to my mom, but not really. I just never made it a thing. I just was like, I told her, like one time I was hanging out with her and my aunt in the kitchen and then someone had said something about bisexuality and they had laughed and just were like, oh, well, you have to pick one, you know? And it was about someone else, like, pick one, you can't like both. And then I just kind of was like, no, it's not a thing. And then one day I told her that I can't pick one and I like girls too. And then she just was like, oh, all right. And I was like, okay. And then that was the end. And then she just, she's always receptive to things. So I think it was just sort of a kind of a, the usual thought process that some people have like you can't you can't like both but it's funny because both is not a term that I would use anymore but then I just kind of never felt too much shame about it I think ever which is really fortunate for me I just was like all right this is how I feel I like some titties sometimes what can I do you know <laughs> I don't like my titties but I like other people's sometimes can we talk about that uh yeah I'm an open no, book. Uh, you, you know what I mean. Oh, the tit. Yes, we yeah. can. Um, but I feel like you guys can ask me more questions or. We'll circle back. Up. Yeah, we'll circle back. Put a pin in that for now. Yeah. <laughs> Put a pin in it and then we're like some needles. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was not planned. That was both of our voices. But beautiful. It was really well done. <laughs> Do you want to just get the Britney Spears impression out of the way? Okay, yes. I would. <laughs> for my sake okay. <laughs> okay so um please don't copyright me well please i was gonna don't. say i was like how long are we allowed to so legally i guess it doesn't matter is, we're not playing the music right no. and also like clearly i did not write this song but i love to do impressions of singers and people in general from the 90s more specifically from the 90s and early 2000s it's very or vine impressions from 2012 but um so in what is it oops i did again she goes Oh yeah, and she goes. <laughs> <laughs> and 
<laughs> Sorry. I'm actually combining two of her songs, but she's <laughs> laughing so hard. But she goes, um, oh, baby, one more time. Oh, baby, baby, how was I supposed to know? That something wasn't right, yeah. Oh, baby, baby, I shouldn't have let you go. So there's that. I could do Christina or Alanis Morissette, but there's a taste. I think the Britney is like yeah, the gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is good. Sometimes I like to do um, a Britney Spears impersonation, but singing it as Christina Aguilera. <laughs> And Mason actually, I think he started to disassociate once and got really stressed out and was like, I need you to stop. I need you to stop. I was like, please, no more. No more. Um, so now that that's, that's done, um, <laughs> how do you mind, just because we haven't had like this sort of perspective on the podcast before, do you mind talking about like, for context, we started dating, like, right around when I was, like, coming out to people mm-hmm. and deciding to transition and um, just talking about, like, how that experience was for you, like, being the partner of someone who, like, pre and post transition. Um, so, Not that transition, like, ever ends, but. Right. Um, so it was very normal for me. Just like my sexuality, just like how I feel about my life and my perspectives in general is very much like, okay, here's the thing. He and I were hanging out when we had reconnected um, the summer before we started dating. And he just told me, oh, I'm trans. And these are my pronouns. And I was like, oh, all right. And immediately just used the correct pronouns. And we talked about it and he told me about his experience and explained I still have the little piece of paper that you wrote in my notebook at that time because we were hanging out after um he his eyes are his his eyebrows are like what I'm I don't know what you're talking about hmm. um hmm, why do you have a memory bank for both of us you um <laughs> you wrote in my notebook like the what's the word the spectrum of sex of gender and sexuality and romanticality so it was like all three of them and you're like here's gender fluid like this is ha-, and explained everything and I still have the little out like outlines you did for me and so Mm. I just saved it and um then you just I was very matter of fact it was like oh okay this is a thing all right and then I remember when you were bouncing off some names for for a second I just like worried that I was um outing you but then I realized that's not a thing Jared (laughs) I didn't know I was making that face because it's like I had no idea that all right, so keep telling me. I the helped. Story. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't know you had a hand in that. I did. Yeah, I remember we were driving to, I think it was a, I think it was Terry Wild. I think it was. Life's really hard. Let's go walk in a park. Hike or something. <laughs> I, I think I was having because we used to go on like drives at night too. Especially oh, I was going through a really yeah. hard time. That was really dark days for me. And I would just text him. And this was before we were like dating, dating. We had become really close friends. And I said, um. I need, can we hang out? And he would just drive over to my house and just hang out with me or we would go out. We would just drive around and talk. But we had been, I think we were going to Terry Weiler or something. And then he bounced off a couple names for me. Do you want to tell the story about Mac? 
You can like, tell it. He said, um, so I was thinking, like, one of his suggestions was Mac. So he had a plan. His name was going to be Macaulay, as in, yeah, like Macaulay Culkin. I've heard, yes, I've heard Right. That. But he had a planned nickname. And I'm very against that, even though my full name is not Bree, but... I guess, but I just, I don't like it when, when parents name their children something and then don't call them the name they, they named them. So my mom calls me my name. She doesn't call me my nickname and that's okay. But, um, she named my brother Luke. She didn't name him Lucas because A, she doesn't like the name Lucas and B, she knew no one would call him Lucas. But now people just assume his name is Lucas. So they'll call him that. That's not your, that's not his name. So I have a, I have a problem with that. I was like, why are you planning a nickname? But then I just was like, I don't like Mac. I don't like it. And then he said, why? I think it's cute. And I said, no, I don't think it's cute. <laughs> I don't. The, I don't like the it. The right choice was made. Yes. So I, I used to play this this video for context i used to play this video game called uh ssx and it was a snowboarding game and um my favorite character on it was mac <laughs> and like like growing up i in hindsight i'm like all right obviously he was my favorite because like i wanted to be him mm-hmm. so when it came to my name i was like oh, i like the name mac <laughs> but like it just doesn't suit me i'm no, a mason it doesn't and um then i think there was a maybe two other names definitely one other name but then when he said mason i yes i was a hundred percent in i was like mason is the name like that Mm -hmm. is that is you so i had i had wow i had a hand in that and um so the experience was it was really special i mean we had a lot of i think that's why a lot of our communication and a lot of the foundation of our relationship is very healthy and I think really special because from the beginning, it was very much like we had a lot of important things we had to discuss because, I mean, I was there in the beginning, like I was there and we were together during your um, journey towards starting testosterone and your name change and all the changes that come with body stuff from transitioning. So it wasn't like we could just not talk about these very intimate aspects of change and growth it wasn't like oh by the way more body hair is going to be a thing hope you're cool with it it was like oh let's discuss this because also like I don't have dating experience I did not I was not in relationships with people I had like some flings with people but I was never in a serious relationship so I didn't explore a lot of my sexuality physically or romantically I had crushes on people but it did really it was a question for both of us like okay where he kept it open he's like look if when um when more obvious changes start happening like will you still be attracted to me and I was honest and said I don't know, but probably because I love you. I love your personality. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to promise. I don't make promises that I'm not sure about. Um, but it was, it, was, it was a foundation for us because there was no denying that we would have to talk about, again, very intimate aspects. Um, and so I think that was really special. And it was really exciting too. And it was hard to watch and experience a lot of the pain that you went through um, when it came to, I mean, for the most part, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people were very supportive. Like even yeah. in the workplace, I mean, people would make mistakes and, but, but you didn't experience a lot of, um, I think outright hate. Like, I don't remember you coming over and being like, people were, were completely disrespecting you on purpose, no. which was very, a really good experience too. Um, but then for top surgery, that was, and that was less than a year of us dating 
Yeah. And, but I, we were all in, like I was going with him. I took care of him, got the blood out from his drains, like everything. Like I was, I was there for it. Um, so yeah. Is that, does that, that answer yeah. the question, right? Yeah. I mean, it was very special. <laughs> Jared, his eyes are like, she just keeps going. No, that's the that's the best guests. Oh, okay. Well, I don't have to work. I like, don't have to like drag anything at anybody. Jared just likes to sit and listen. Listen. This show's not about me. Aww. It's about the way of on. It's about me. Their life stories. <laughs> it's a little bit about you. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> Do you have any questions, Jared? I have a thousand questions, but they're <laughs> do it. Um, I mean, a lot of this stuff I'm just learning about you for the first time. I didn't oh. know you had like no real dating experience. No, um, I don't. I mean, I'm trying not to be self-deprecating, but that's hard for me. The core of my uh, my humor, unfortunately. I don't know. People just didn't. I'm a lot. I'm a lot. I Are am. You? I did yes, not, I don't know uh, if you know this. So I think that I'm. I have a very jarring personality. I have a jarring approach. I like to just say the thing. People don't really know how to deal with that. And um, I have a lot of energy. I have a lot of fucking feelings. So that's a responsibility, right? I mean, that's a responsibility for people to be around, right? It's not like they can oh, just uh-uh. hang out and be like, yeah, you're cool. Like, I want to know what's going on. Like, I want to I wanna be here for it. And um, I don't know. Maybe people didn't think I was cute. I don't know what's going on, but who knows? I didn't have – I did not have much experience. Well. I did, however, briefly um, – sort of date this person at a, an art camp I went to and um sleepaway art camp sleepaway art camp for like six five or six weeks that's, um what, that going into my magical. senior year of high school oh yeah that sounds irresponsible of everyone involved <laughs> but really I mean I was just always so boring and responsible so I just was I just was chilling there was nothing I did that was really bad except sleepaway the emotional art camp while you're yeah, in high school at Wesleyan University it just sounds like trouble it was, it was, I mean, other people were trouble. I was just hanging out. I mean, whatevs. But I did, I did um, have a crush on this girl and surprisingly she did on me too. But then a whole bunch of things happened. It didn't work out. I was kind of a little bit mm, questionable in my reaction to it. Um, just, just a little. I mean, if anyone's listening to this who knows the story, they're going to be like, oh, I think it was more than questionable. But come to find out, like, A year later or so, I found a poem she published about the experience. And she lied about so much to, like, really make the poem about... The the poem like included me. It was also about her own experiences with sexuality. So there were very some there are very heavy experiences that she had, and that's not something I want to invalidate. I'm only referring to the parts that she included of me in there, where she said that we were 14. So she was sexualizing our experience as two girls. Um, really, I just felt like to get more attention in it, like to make it a little bit more, um, I don't know, uh, taboo. Mm-hmm. Controversial. Yeah, controversial. So she's like, our 14-year-old bodies. And I was like, first of all, I was definitely 16 going on 17. And so was she. So 
all she has to do is do math. We were not 14 years right, old. Right, right. And then she would describe me and she said that like I had tiny hands. She was like tiny hands like pushing her hair back behind her ears and so all the time I would just be like my tiny little hands I just I can't hold this backpack they're just so small and um I mean she yeah like amazing artist whatever I have to be nice in case she hears this and I don't want to be like a bag of dicks about it but that's my experience where she like it did not work out but then she went ahead and wrote a poem to like make it controversial that we were like described in detail like things that we did that we did not do we like kissed and maybe like felt up a little bit but then she started talking about like all in stuff that we did and I was she used my name and she spelled it wrong she used my name and spelled it wrong she used two n's my name's Brianna she spelled it with two n's and I was like we're friends on Facebook at this point when I had one like all you have to do is look at it come on like use your brain it could have been like one of those um like any any name or likeness like (laughs) She's not that kind purely of coincidence. It's purely coincidental. Like no, her she... way to like use the wrong, like just one letter difference. Like, oh, it's not about you. Um, no. Well, yeah, that's funny. But also, no, we had had a conversation a few months before that where I was like, hey, can I write a poem about like my, like what happened with us? And she was like, yeah. I was like, I don't want to be, you know, rude or anything because it's going to be very honest. She's like, no, like never ask for permission from people when you're writing your experience. Well, I guess she took her own advice because she did not ask me if she could publish some garbage about us, but it's fine. I just thought it was really funny. Intense. Oh, I'm so sorry. My tiny hands are playing with my wiry <laughs> hair right now. I just, I just can't. I just can't handle it. You do have a lot of hair. I do. It's an impressive amount of hair. A third of it is shaved in the back, and I still look like Helena Bonham. Good reference. Thank you. <laughs> I, I Thank see you. the similarities. I'm just kind of letting you take. You this live one. together. You should have more questions than me. I know. No. But... Why would he? All I do is tell him all the things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, I've already heard all this shit. Um, well, so your what did your family think of Mason? Oh, they love him. They always have loved him. My mom always thought he was really, really sweet. My my stepdad, um, who is definitely more of a dad for me, he had a hard time at first because he felt left out a little bit mm-hmm. because he was like, well. I mean, you never told me your preference. And then, like, my preference for, like, attraction. And then I was, I think I did my best to be, like, not very, well, why does it matter? But I did say, I mean, I'm sorry I didn't tell you, but I'm not really, I don't really do the coming out thing. Because for me, it's just very natural. So when I came out to my mom, it really wasn't like, so I have something to tell you. It was like, okay, well, by the way. Um, I didn't come out to, like, a lot of members of my family because I just was, like, I mean, clearly I'm queer, but I don't know. But Are they you talking always about because of the socks? The socks, my double socks, my um, striped oh, you are athletic socks, socks, and my puffy pink fuzzy socks. But I don't know. They always loved him. They adore him. Just the other day, my mom was, we were talking about Mason, and she said, she's like, Mason is literally one of the best, sweetest, most thoughtful people I've ever met. And I was like, I know. I'm really lucky. So, but they, they were great right off the bat. Even they don't have a lot of experience with people that are like, 
knowing people in person who are trans or um, like with the whole pronoun thing. My mom's she has more of a hard time using they them pronouns now. Mm -hmm. um, she does her best, but it, it does kind of just throw her off. But she still will correct herself. Um, but they immediately were like, oh, okay, this is like, these are the pronouns. These are the things. If I said, oh, this is like not an appropriate question, they're like, oh, okay. That's what I remember. Nothing? You're just going to keep staring He's at me? Just nothing? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> You're sleepy today. Questions. I'm also, I know the things, so I don't really know what to ask. Yeah. It's for the listeners. Hi, listeners. Welcome. Welcome. Are you going to cut that out? Yeah. <laughs> probably not. Okay, good. Great. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. All right, I guess I'll ask a question. Oh, okay. Um, Everyone quiet, quiet. Let me think. How much do you love me? Just kidding. <laughs> I love oh. you so much. <laughs> oh. I love you so much. Sometimes I just cry about it. Um, it is insane to me, like how good of a relationship the two of you have, and how much you actually really enjoy each other. I like, I love him. I mean, it's if I don't want to be around people, like I never feel like I need space from him because if we're hanging out, like we can hang out in the same vicinity, and I still feel like I can decompress. Right? It's not like oh, I need to be away from all people. It's just he's my best friend all the time. You also have opposite personalities. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh right, yeah. So. I'm like. The quiet, like, taking it in type. Yeah. I don't know why this just popped in my head, but there's definitely some sort of, like, Disney, Pixar movie of, like, two different kinds of dogs and the personalities that you have. Lady and the Tramp? No, I just meant, like, you <laughs> would... calling me a tramp? You would be, like, a small, very energetic... <laughs> you'd be, like, a Jack Russell Terrier, and oh, then you'd be, like, a Burmese Mountain Dog or something. Oh! That's so good. Oh, that boy. is so true. Here we go. Okay. Or like isn't, a bloodhound or something. I don't know. Isn't Kayla um, part Jack Russell? No, we thought she was. Oh, okay. she's a Boston. She's part Boston Terrier. His dog. Well, his parents' dog is family dog, but sh she picked me um, the day that we brought. They brought her home. We are the same. She is me as a dog, right. and I am her as a human. And it's yeah. So I would be her. If there was a movie about us. So can we get into the recent? Heck yeah, bitch. The recent. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Unnecessarily sweetly aggressive somehow. I don't know. <laughs> That's Brie in a nutshell to me. Absolutely. So what happened to you recently? Well, recently I got a long awaited breast reduction. What? Well, Jared says, what? I thought you always looked like you had no boobs. That's not true. They were so big. Um, so, yeah, um, the whole story is that I was always very heavy. Uh, heavy chested? Is that a thing? Or, <laughs> I mean, there's now. flat chested. Top heavy. Yeah. Top, top no, heavy, I am. So. I'm very top heavy. And so for people who don't know what I look like out there, which, I mean, there's people listening to other countries, so hopefully you don't. Um, I am 5'1". Let's say you're a sm you're not a big person. You're a small person. I am. I'm. I'm quite small. I'm. I'm medium size. Like I'm. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit muscular without trying. I'm not like a slim kind of thing. But I'm. I'm small. I'm five one, giant hair, and um, 
I just got like some boobs. I don't know what happened. I mean, it does come from the Brazilian side, like m- my dad's side of the family, who I don't Somewhere talk to. Along the way, um, but they, yeah, they've got they've got the boobs. I didn't get the butt, but I got that, and so it was causing a lot of pain. I was always really insecure about it. I mean, that's why all I do is wear giant clothing and layers when I went to the doctor the surgeon the first time and she was like marking me up she's like okay and we're, I'm gonna have you take off your your sweater now I took off like three layers and she said like you're so small under there and I was like yeah I mean I strategically hide so um I really did want a breast reduction for a few years but I mean I just figured it wouldn't happen really I mean it costs money and time and planning and all of those things are very hard for me and then it has been, it had gotten progressively worse in terms of like chronic pain. I mean, let alone insecurity about the way I looked and the way things fit me. Um, my bra straps dig into my shoulders to the point where like I have knots for the past two and a half maybe years, just right there. Really big knots, um, chronic pain, muscle spasms, um, bruises in the back from my bra straps. And it sucked. And then my mom was kind enough to help me get a breast reduction. Um, We had some family stuff happen last year. And so we were able to figure it out. And then, I mean, it was really fast. It was like November. She was like, make an appointment, find someone. And shout out to Dr. Ellen Mahoney in Westport, Connecticut. Ellen! Ellen, Woo! Amazing, amazing, amazing woman. And I went to her. She's the only doctor I made an appointment with. I showed up. I she has a really great bedside manner. Surgeons tend to be a little cold. Yeah. And um I'm I'm also very judgmental and very hesitant about all doctors. So I'm just like, if I don't let I'm I want nothing to do with you, but I loved her. And then I got a breast reduction happened. It was in November and, and it's February now. And I got it done a week and a half ago. So it was like straight for it. And luckily I work for a great company and they, they let me take my time off. I'm getting my leave of absence. And then they are very accommodating as to like what I can and cannot do when I go back. And yes, that is, that is the synopsis. <laughs> Questions. Um, do, you, <laughs> do you mind talking a little bit about your um, mistrust? of doctors just because I feel like a lot of people mm-hmm. might understand. Um, coming from the perspective of being um, assigned female at birth, I just don't really know. I'd never feel like I'm a woman, but, you know, I'm a lady. But <laughs> from that perspective... <laughs> um, from, I'm a lady. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a lady. Uh, from that perspective and also from the perspective of someone who's had to deal a lot with um, mental health professionals. Hello, handsome. It's it's Jared's cat is coming to say hi. Oh, wow. So um, from that perspective, I've had to deal with many a doctor. Um, many a psychiatrist, many a therapist, and it's very easy to be invalidated. I mean, I, I read about a study where it's about, I think, 11 seconds will go by when a patient starts their appointment with a doctor, and then the doctor's like, hey, what's going on? They'll explain, and on average, a doctor will interrupt them within 11 seconds. Yes. You Oh, you're talking about like a... Um, medical doctor? Yes. A psych... A psych oh, medical doctor, okay. including psychiatrists, too. Like, we'll ask a question and they'll just go for it. And I have that experience. So I, I do not... I am very, very, very 
specific about who I will see. If I don't like someone, I'll give them a couple shots also just the way I am about friendships. But I usually can just read what I'm willing, who I'm willing to work with. Um, I've had a lot of doctors prescribe medication. And when I go to them and say, look, like I'm nauseous, I can't shit, I want to vomit, and I'm still really sad. They're like, well, let's keep giving it a shot. It's called a drug trial. Yeah, And I'm like, okay, well, we've been giving it a shot for six months, so oh. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, I remember this era. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that we can just go ahead and cut that out. I mean, I don't. you don't have to be irresponsible and like, <laughs> oh, it didn't work within a week? Yeah, let's just start you on something else. But it's like... <laughs> For the li- hold on a second. <laughs> What's up? For the listeners at home. <laughs> For the listeners at home. My cat is on the couch. <laughs> Mason has pushed his microphone fully away from us <laughs> so that he can play with the cat. <laughs> and Bree, about thirty minutes ago, goes, "Oh my god, my eyes are so itchy. I'm allergic to this cat." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going petting, being like, "I've had terrible medical experiences. <laughs> this is awful. Oh, my eyes are on fire." <laughs> Absolutely, but this cat, he's looking right at me. Handsome as a sweetie pie. He's a sweet old man. He's so sweet. I think he's about 13, 14. I love, wow, he's old. I yeah. thought he was a lot younger. I think he's about 13, 14. If you look at his mouth, it's like the predator. He has he's, he has like weird teeth are missing. Oh, that's really funny. He's huge canines. Ooh, little kitty. That was a little weird voice. But anyway, yeah, so. Sorry. No, that's Go, okay. So let's circle back. I really Sorry. like that, but what what was happening? That we were talking about? Mason's like, I don't know. I tuned you out. The me- <laughs> there was a cat to play with. Um, the Just your medical experiences oh. in the 11 seconds. And- 11 seconds. All that stuff. So, yeah. And that's a thing. So, I'm very, very hesitant about doctors. And I only have had a few. And now I'm very specific. I will almost exclusively see female do- female doctors. I only actually surprisingly weirdly enough my gynecologist is a man, so I felt like it would be the complete opposite, but also he is a very um soft, sweet, not weird dude. So for some reason I'm just like all I I love him. But other doctors and I've have had a lot of experiences with specifically male doctors who just want to just cut me off and keep going. And then I just will bulldoze. Like, don't bulldoze over me. I'm paying you right. to help me. This is your job. And I need you to hear me when I tell you that I'm in a lot of pain. That took a lot of therapy. It took so much therapy because no, I'd, either cry, I'd either leave crying or I would just be like, okay, great. Thanks. Bye which is not effective. It's not communicative. It's not going to make anyone um, listen. It's not going to prove anything. So I can say, hear me when I say that I need, I need help right now. So, but I think a lot of times I've had doctors kind of just cut me off because maybe they don't take me as seriously. And I'm like, listen up, bud. I'm small, but I'm mighty. Absolutely. Right. I'm small, not my boobs, but <laughs> they are now though. <laughs> so far you're happy with your decision to go through it all i am very 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 happy with it um there were a couple of days like i was on a little bit of a high also literally because vicodin but um <laughs> a couple of days after. vicodin proud sponsor of uh, <laughs> no <laughs> oh my god no pharmaceutical companies but yeah i um was very very happy 
afterwards because it was an incredible difference. And then there were a few days where I, and Jared and I had talked about it, but I was just like, um, yeah, I don't really know how I feel. I don't think it was like that much of a difference. But then Mason and I took pictures before um, without clothes on, like without my bra on, and also with my fate, like three of my favorite outfits. So I could do like before and afters to really Ooh, see the difference. Smart. Yeah. And I'm um, thinking it was my idea. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm really glad that we did that because I could see, okay, like my, maybe my width is not necessarily entirely smaller, but I mean, technically it is, but it looks really different. Like I am very happy with it and I do feel less pain. I, I still have knots in my shoulders. It's not like it's, um, an immediate fix. Well, you're going to have to say, you're going to have to work all that damage out now. Yeah. But I got oh. some, I got like some weight. I really do feel weight lifted off. I mean, the bra that I'm wearing now, it's, it's loose up here. It is not digging into me. Cause it's not like I have like these double D's or my mom actually thinks I was larger than that. I never got like a real size because of what's happening, but they were just, just pulling on me. So I still have some lingering pain, but when I wake up in the morning, I don't have, I would wake up with soreness all across my collarbones like aching soreness all across my collarbones. And then like my back was like scrunched up. And now I don't experience that the same way. And that's been really nice. And, and how many pounds lighter did you leave the hospital? Well, weird. So I went in at 140 when I was, when I got had a physical the week before. And when I left, it said 136.69. So 137 pounds. Um, I should... Yeah, so that was a thing. But so then I was like, did I lose three pounds from my breasts? But I don't think I did because they sent me like a um, an analysis of my breast tissue, which they legally have to do. And it was very weird and disconcerting. It's like received three, like, what was it? Gray, fatty, white tissue at this with like at this diameter and these centimeters and this and that. It was just, it was very weird. It was like really, it felt kind of, I don't know, just talking about my skin like that is weird. But I did the math and it was really about like one and a half or two pounds. So I don't know what the difference was in terms of when I was weighed. I mean, maybe I was weighed in the morning when I hadn't eaten in like 12 hours. So that might've changed, but I didn't, I didn't leave like actually three pounds lighter, but I left a lot lighter. But I'm very happy with it. It's just a matter of like coming to terms with, my body type and accepting that I'm not going to be like a flat chested, tiny, whatever person who can just hide in clothing. I very much want to hide. Couldn't tell by my personality, but, um, (laughs) well, we talked on the phone the other day about the baggy clothes thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but, you in your head you think that that's working, but in actuality it's just making you look bigger. Yeah, like you had sucks, said that you know? about yourself, right? Where you're like, wear yeah. big clothes and it looks better, and then you're like, mm. that's a thing I've done forever. Yeah, me too. My mom is like, hey, you should get some clothes and get like smaller sizes. You have to fitting. like redo it and get some more stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I could try that out. And I did get a, I did get some smaller stuff the other day, but it's definitely gonna be a journey because I'm, I've been wearing giant things since I was a kid. I never wore form-fitting stuff. I wore all throughout, up until I was 15, so between like 11 and 15, all I wore were hoodies, basically. Giant hoodies, giant sweatshirts. Yeah. Um, or like band tees that were too tight, but I would have like big hoodies over it. 
as you could see, and um, Mason has a my school photo from ninth grade in his wallet, like a dad. Oh, yeah, wearing a Paramore shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got some braces. Got some straightened, um, seen kid hair. Well, it wasn't seen kid hair. I couldn't actually do that, but some straightened hair. Short bangs. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, side bangs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some little side bangs. Mason get his wallet what a time. out and describe it. Yeah, what a time to be alive. Uh. Oh, this is readily available. Oh, this is readily available. I want Mason, that thing's in you don't sit on that, do you? No. Oh. You ask me that? You've you've definitely asked me that before. The wallet, it's like a fucking filing cabinet. I want Jared to explain this to the audience at home. Wow. It doesn't even really look like you. That's crazy. How long did it take you to straighten your hair like that? I don't remember. It's been so long. Um, so we have a very tight sort of necklace choker with the key on it. We got a purple Paramore T-shirt, a white writing, and then there's like cartoonish looking people on it. Your eye makeup is still pretty similar. I don't wear makeup. You don't wear makeup in this picture. I mean, I wear makeup there. I don't wear makeup now. I haven't oh, you in just, like eight years. Because it kind of looks like yeah, or you just have like you have big eyelashes anyways. You know what though? Your eyebrow game got strong. Oh yeah, because I used to <laughs> the, pluck the glow those. up on your eyebrow game is yeah. real. Yeah, I used to they used to be really thin because eyebrows were not in then and mm-hmm. then I gave up and then now I just clip, square, pluck a few, and then the end. But yeah, so and then you have the I'm gonna guess in your hair, which is crazy how straight it is. I've never seen you like this. Um do you have the bobby pins in there to keep it oh, over yeah, to the side? Always. Oh yeah. No. You literally look I mean, you don't look like you've gained a pound since this photograph. Looks same. I've been the same size basically since then. I think like I got a little bit wider because that's what happens when you get older. But I've just been the same like size and shape since I was fourteen. <laughs> so put that back in the wallet. So you need to laminate that. Uh, oh, I have plenty of oh, okay, uh, good, good, plenty good, good. of copies. A I'm, of a, I'm a photo saving. Oh yeah. What are you like? Um, is this correct? And we're back on this week's episode. <laughs> so, what I was going to ask. Oh. After my ridiculous yawn is um you can you can say pass if you want. Um and content warning, do you mind talking a little bit about your mental health? Thank you for asking me that question, Mason. The reason. <laughs> yeah, no, I can do that. Um, but definitely, definitely warning. I I blurt out things, so. Uh, You've been warned. You've been warned. Can you give me a little bit of a direction with that? Because I I'll just go straight from like panic attack when my great grandpa died when I was five. Like I need to. Um. I guess like. I guess giving like a some sort of um, description of like the the work that you've had to put in and like and like how you've gotten to where you are now because I feel like personally just just in the past four years like the transformation that you've made is huge as far as like bounds yeah yeah um I've had to do a lot of a lot of work and it's all been very worth it and it's also very exhausting. Um, a few years ago, I was at a really an all time, all time low. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I want to laugh. Don't laugh. This is a serious (laughs) moment. Um, 
And everything was really hard and I didn't like therapy. I didn't trust therapists. I didn't trust anything like that. I wanted nothing to do with any of it. But then I had to. I had to start doing some work. I had to find and like create some support system for myself because I was not was not doing okay. And luckily I was able to work with the best therapist ever for about three years. Ellen, but not my surgeon, Ellen. And she really helped me. I went through many therapists since I was 13, really. No, since I was younger, I actually saw my first therapist when I was about eight and on and off um, with people. And of course, I learned a lot from all of them. A lot of it was short-lived, but I just, if it wasn't working, it wasn't working. But Ellen... Um, was someone I actually didn't want to see at first because I had a weird experience going to a group therapy that she had led once, and then I was very stubborn. It just uh, amazes me. Group therapy is incredible. It's so bizarre to me. It's a lot. Um, Especially as a young person. Like, you be, when your young life is already hard enough and you're so self-conscious about everything. Yeah, and then being in group therapy. I had to do an um, intensive outpatient program when I was 18, and that was five days a week for a couple hours like that was how I I think it was yeah it was like every day and it was for three weeks I have anxiety hearing that maybe it was like three times a week for for three weeks or something it was very it was very intensive it was a few hours a day and I had to go um because that was part of like my treatment program and I was with like a few people were my age range, like a few years older, but there are people who were in their 30s, their 40s, up their 60s. And I was hearing about grief. I was hearing about about sexual assault. I was hearing about children. I was hearing about all this stuff. And I was there and I was like, I don't know, I'm just sad. Like, <laughs> I'm just sad and cynical. And so that was really hard. And especially I'm a very sensitive sponge. I just absorb very empathetic. And so I would, it was very hard for me to set boundaries. And boundaries is something I work on a lot now still. Because I'm very much, if I set a boundary, it can be very harsh. It could be, I'm done. I don't want anything to do with this. Or it's like, oh, sure, we can kind of do something that may not work out for a long period of time, but I don't want to address it. It's very either or. but. Anyway, working with Ellen, I had done one group therapy with her like maybe a year or two later and I did not enjoy it. And so I was very brash and very just done with it. And so for a couple of years, my psychiatrist at the time was like, I really think Ellen would be a great therapist for you guys could do such good work together. I was like, no, I don't want to because one time I, and so I just didn't want to do it until one day I went to my psychiatrist and I was just depleted of energy. I was sad. I was miserable. I was like, please help me. I literally was like, please help me. I don't know what to do. Like, this isn't working. I don't know what to do. And I was like, I'll do anything. And she was like, what about, I'm like, Ellen, I'll do it. Where I'll, I'll do it. I don't care. Uh, yeah. And then that was a start of the best therapeutic relationship that I've ever experienced. So it has been a lot of self-reflection, a lot of learning how to hold myself accountable and in measurable ways, it's not just like, oh, holding myself accountable and guilting myself. It's like, okay, what can I do opposite to emotion action? And by the way, I, I do wait, DBT. Wait, say that one more time. Opposite to emotion action. It's a, it's a dialectical behavioral therapy tool. So opposite to emotion action has to do with, um, there's like DBT as opposed to cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which is like pretty much the main approach that a lot of people take is very much about action 
um, and, and being proactive about things. So with CBT, it's very much like, let's change the way you think. So you're anxious about this thing. Let's challenge that thing. Right. You're afraid of heights. Well, let's talk about where the root is. And also let's talk about how you can change that. Whereas DBT, my experience of it is very much about action oriented. It's about, okay, well, the way and it works for me because it's like, okay, we can look at it from all these different perspectives, right? And hypothesize and do some like activities, but I'm still going to, at the end of the day, be like, fuck this. I don't know what to do. So DBT is about putting language to your experiences. It's not just changing the way you think. It's verbalizing what you've experienced. It's putting language to all of your issues and all of your strengths and weaknesses and all of your interpersonal relationships and intrapersonal relationship with yourself. And it's being able to define it. And when you put language to your experience, it's no longer this floating up in the air, overbearing thing. So especially like in terms of, of trauma, whether it's like sexual or like violence or anything when we have when we experiences when we experience traumas it's very much like the same thing over and over and over again so with veterans and war and like PTSD it's very much like reliving these same experiences in very intense ways and in that way it becomes very stagnant it be, it it just lives in this space of being forever the same thing it's this bad thing happened, this bad thing happened, this was my experience, and it becomes very rooted, and there's no space for it to grow. And then when all the person is doing is thinking about it and not verbalizing it in constructive ways, in ways that you're able to really focus in on all of the details and challenge it and experience it in new in new ways with like a with a witness, like with a therapist or with a support system, there's no way to integrate that with your experience in ways that will measurably help you move along. So with DBT, it's very much like, it's no longer just this intangible thing where all you're doing is thinking about this trauma. It's saying, wait, let me really put into words what this experience is. I'm going to talk to Ellen. I'm going to say, this is everything I'm thinking about it. This is the physical response I'm having to it. This is how I'm dealing with it. Am I being... Um, am I being inactive about it or inefficient about it? Am I feeling this trauma? Am I feeling these really scary feelings and sitting down and blocking out the world? And in that way, is it constructive? Is it efficient? And that's what DBT in my experience is about. It's, it's not just, oh, I'm thinking about it differently. It's talking about it. And then when you are able to bring all of that into the world in a, in a very, um, expressive way, it becomes tangible and then you can integrate it. Then you can say, wait, actually I said this out loud and that, that wasn't my fault that this bad thing happened, right? Because you just have these beliefs that are set and they're ingrained and then you're kind of able to open it up and like sift through it and let it become a different part and let it not become the focal point of your overarching narrative of your life. You're able to put it into different perspectives and let it shift and maybe take a step back in how you're approaching life. So. (laughs) 
little education. <clears throat> well. So she reads. <laughs> yes. The uh, um uh yeah. <laughs> I was gonna um I don't know, maybe you'll relate to this, but the thing um you'll get like uh you know, you can pick a song to like play on repeat on your phone or whatever your computer I do that obsessively. Right. So the thing that I like the like analogy or metaphor that I always use is mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm whispering. The analogy or the metaphor that I always use is like there will be days where like this tape in my head gets like stuck on repeat mm-hmm. and it's like this isn't helpful at all and like yeah. I really wish someone would change this fucking song because it yeah. just keeps playing and it sort of sounds like that's sort of the way yeah. I always describe it. You're like, we need to change this song today. It's not helpful. I completely agree. It's like, do I have to keep listening to... What's a song that I always listen to? There are so many. But like, I'm trying to think of like a song like, do I have to keep hearing this sad Jeff Buckley Hallelujah cover? <laughs> like over oh. and over again, literally 70 times in like a, d- in a day. Or like... Oh. Do I have to keep listening to like this horrifyingly sad song? Um, and yeah, that that is how I feel where my brain gets very stuck in one place. And so then I'm just playing it over and over and over and over again. Um, and then that's when I start not feeling like I can leave a place right. that I am mentally. Like the, the space that I'm existing in is very much like okay, and I'm dumb, and I'm stupid, and I made this mistake, and then this trauma happened, and this happened, and this happened, and it's always going to be this way. And then it just, it no longer, it no longer, um, it feels like it's blocked off. It doesn't feel like there's space. It doesn't feel like there's a way to have it open up. It just feels like this is this is done. This is where I am. And then to be able to also like, in something I've read, I've read a lot of um, Pema Children and and Mary Oliver too, and in in that way, and both of their different approaches with it, I've I've learned to understand also in like Buddhist philosophy, which is like when you let go and when you experience basic groundlessness, which is very a big thing in Pema Chodron's work, is accepting that the the rug will always be ripped out underneath you. It's very scary to be in that vulnerable spot. And so that's why it's very easy and very habitual to just say, okay, I'm existing in this space and I'm going to hold on tightly. Even though it hurts more to do that, to let go is scary. So. Yeah. I, li- I like books. Thank you. <laughs> um, do you mind touching a little bit on your experience with... Um, realizing or i guess sort of being diagnosed with adhd yes so um as an adult as an adult i did not i i did not have like an official test or whatever like a diagnosis where i had to prove it i like filled out a sheet of like at the therapist's office and it like indicated oh so these are qualities of it but essentially my psychiatrist and I are at a point in time a few years ago where it was like I had tried every single kind of of family of psychiatric medication that you could think of um and and except for like I don't remember there was one but there was specifically stimulants was one that I did not I did not try because those are very specific to ADHD. And so since I had never had a diagnosis, I also didn't exhibit a lot of behavior 
growing up that was attributed to ADHD at the time. Um, maybe I'll touch upon why later on because of like some stuff that I read about, but I didn't exhibit those kinds of behaviors entirely. So it wasn't really questioned if I had it until she was like, well, maybe why don't we just go ahead and just try out some ADHD med? Because essentially like if it works for you, then you have that it. means you have it yeah, right yeah, yeah. and if it doesn't work for you like you will know if it's not working for you so she put me on vivans and it completely changed my life um immediately and it helped me organize it's a it helped me organize a lot like within a couple like within a day i was able to think more linear because the way I think is very all over the place. And so I can still, I still, as everyone can tell in the way I'm telling my stories and I'm jumping from thing to thing, I'm very much thinking like a spider web in general, but when it came to like tasks and things that I were, I was responsible for doing and basic life functioning things like making phone calls and, and following up with doctors and following up with tasks that would be good for me, like making food. Food is very hard for me it was able to help me in that way to just kind of zero in on it where I have same amount of energy, but it's more focused. I'm able to zero in on things easier. So, and one of the things that when I, to to touch upon in terms of exhibiting symptoms and, and characteristics of people with ADHD, when, when I was growing up, I was a very good student. Um, I wasn't rambunctious, like running up and down like walls or like freaking out or always like talking out of turn. Um, I was very like a, I don't know, enthusiastic, of course, but I got my work done. I went home and I did my homework and I, I didn't have to be prodded. I didn't have to be like forced to do it. And um, I was always responsible. And I mean, from when I was a kid, teachers would always say she has a good head on her shoulders. So it wasn't like that. And um I had a lot of energy, but I wasn't like the kind of ADHD picture that is painted a lot. And I did, I have done a little bit of research, but not a lot, but I have read about the structure of ADHD in like the DMV, whatever, DM5, I don't know, thing happening, the DMV, DSM, whatever, the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles. Um, I think it's the DSM. Yeah, it's some. Yeah, it's that. Um, but how original? A lot of the characteristics that are associated with and basically validated with people with ADHD are indicative of like what a lot of boys will sh- exhibit in in childhood and in adolescence, and a lot of that had to do with like the early studies of ADHD. And I don't remember what year what years, but that is the thing that happened. So a lot of girls with ADHD have gone completely undiagnosed for decades because a lot like one big difference with that, um, is that boy, I mean, this is generally speaking, I know there's like gender and there's like biology and all these different parts in play, but like like, assigned female at birth. Yeah. Like that, like they will, be run like they'll run around they may be like they may be louder maybe more aggressive maybe more combative whereas people like girls when they're growing up are chatterboxes and that's a thing like I was always very talkative but a lot of times associated with talking out of turn I didn't 
cut people off or like interrupt teachers or I wasn't like disrespectful, but that's also like a, um, a characteristic that's associated with it. And so it was a lot easier for people who were researching about ADHD in the earlier days to focus on boys in general, to focus on these very obvious like external factors and the way that they exhibited it. And so a lot of girls went undiagnosed because they weren't exhibiting the same things. And a lot of it can be a little bit more internal with like hard to focus, with hard to organizing, like um, executive functioning is really like those kinds of tasks can be very difficult. And that's something I struggle with. I haven't been taking my stimulant medication since I got my surgery. My um, doctor at the time had suggested that I just don't take it while I'm recovering. So I was just talking to Mace last night about how I'm going to talk to my new doctor when I, when I meet her about maybe reconsidering how much I'm taking or if I'm going to take the stimulant anymore. I have to see what I'm like when I'm back at work, when I'm back like being an active member of society and not being at home recovering from a major surgery because that does influence like behavior and energy levels and stuff. But questions, comments, concerns? <laughs> you got anything, Jared? Uh, I mean, I have one or two questions, but I don't think I'd ask it on here. All the questions. Oh, we can talk later. You know, you, oh, yeah, you yeah. can't share everything in life. Oh, yeah. You know? Wait, There's really? got to be some... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, me? <laughs> Flash my coworkers? <laughs> Oops. Do you still... Fuck it, who cares? Do you still... Do we still take the same medication? Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's literally, like what you said before, like, if you take this and it works for you, like, then you have it. Like, yeah, that's like, how this shit works. If, if that's what's going on, that that's what's happening it's, up there. Uh, that, like... That shit changed my life. Absolutely. Yeah. That was like the that was the medical version of of Ellen for me. Yeah. No yeah, one yeah, yeah. knows what you guys are talking about. Oh. Are well, we I mean, right now you're gonna hear a beep noise because I have it on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. We just, yes. Yes. That was the one that. Damn it! Now I gotta beep it twice. <laughs> the that medication uh, changed my life, and that was also the same stubbornness that I approached about seeing my favorite therapist with the the psychiatrist I was talking about beforehand. That was how I approached this specific medication, where she we had tried a bunch, and she had said, "I really think that this medication would be really good for you," and I was like, "No, no, there's this this one side effect that is really bad." That I focused oh, on the thing. The rash thing? Yeah. And you're like, it could kill you. And it you're could like, kill you. Uh, and I was like, well, either I'm I'll fine. kill me or the <laughs> rash will. So. That is li- the either. Uh, <laughs> that is the best. Mason is staring off like a meme, like, oh my God. But li- that's literally well, what it was. I went to where I was desperate. Yeah, so. I had a, I had a fucking like crazy manic episode, and they were like, "Why don't we try this?" And I was like, "Whatever, that's got to do something." And then yeah. Yeah, exactly. I went to her. I was like, "Please help me," and she said, <laughs> <laughs> "Literally, there's been so many times where I'm like, please help me. Like I I just I can't function." And then she's like, "So are you?" I'm like, "Fine, it's fine, it's fine. I'll just take it." And then lo and behold, like weeks later if that i was like wow Mm -hmm. i feel a little bit more balanced i'm not writing as much terrifying poetry anymore i wonder why are you like grooming your beard yes he is okay i was like is there something wrong is everything okay 
Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I, I think, I think too. So the too. universal sign of when people start picking up their cell phones while we're recording usually means that it's time to wrap it up. I'm just like I feel I feel bad that I talked so much. That's the whole point. Oh. Yeah. I mean oh. and I think especially in this case this episode, not that our other guests don't share a lot of themselves, but you know, I think you've exceeded uh, any and all expectations. Hopes, expectations. Thank you. I expect a lot of you. Very unhealthy. Yeah, do, I, like, do I get to I'm make totally the suggestions at the end that other people do when they normally suggest? You, no. We're going to do all the normal stuff we usually do. So okay. I think, are we good? Do you think we got it all? I think we got a good amount. So, yes, as Mason, didn't you come up with the uh, Queer There Everywhere? Is that the title? I yeah, lo- I love that Here one. It originally came from a book that I read. That read, and my selfish bullshit question is always like, "Do you have any questions for us?" But Brie knows both of us. So. I I do know you guys. Doesn't really. I know you both very well. So, um, do you have anything that you would like to to suggest or yes. share with the people? Recommend. So, I would like to share some books that I think would be really helpful for people. Um, so I'm looking at my get a pad, books of 2018. A, a get this, get this ready. All right. So I can suggest to any and all people, Mary Oliver, um, very sad day when she died. I collected all of my books of hers that I have and just cuddled them when she passed away a couple, like a week and a half ago or so, because she changed my life. So anything. Who is Mary Oliver? Mary Oliver is a renowned poet, and um, she. I I can't give a synopsis about her. I just I won't do it justice. But she's a self-identified lesbian, correct? Yes, and she was with she was married she was with her partner, Molly Malone Cook, a photographer for I think like forty years they were together. Uh, Mary passed away when she was in her eighties. I think she was eighty four, and um, she won the Pulitzer Prize for her book American Primitive, and I think it was nineteen seventy eight or so. And she just has. Such amazing work. So I would suggest Upstream Selected Essays by Mary Oliver. And um, I mean, I can't do that one justice. But also Pema Chodron, who I recommended earlier. There's one book that I'd read from her last year called Comfortable with Uncertainty, 108 Teachings on Cultivating Fearlessness and Compassion. And this is I mean, I kind of gave a few ideas about it earlier, um, but that was a really interesting read for me last year. I, I kept it with me close for about seven or eight months just to really like sink into it. Um, in terms of self-help, I love self-help. The Body Keeps Score by Bessel A. Vanderkolk. Um, it's <laughs> The Body Keeps the Score, uh, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. That's a lot of what I was talking about earlier with DBT and integrating um, trauma and experiences was one of the most life-changing books for me. Um, it also, it starts off with covering PTSD with veterans. Um, when that was a diagnosis that was created and he also helped pioneer that, um, as well as sexual trauma. Um, so that is such a freaking good book. And Brene Brown, you know, pretty, pretty great author. Um, what else would I suggest? Oh, they can't kill us until they kill us. Um, that is an amazing collection of essays in terms of music and um, like from Bruce Springsteen to um, things about like experiences with Michael Brown and um, like the death of Michael Brown, the death of Trayvon Martin, like everything from music to 
um, to race and like poverty and trauma and all the things and confusion and fear and loss. And it's just, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing book. And so those are some of my suggestions in terms of books. And, um, I really, I really love books. I don't, what can I say? How many books did you read last year? I finished 43 books last year. I'm still in the process of a few that I have carried over. So right now I'm actually working on seven books. Um, I like to, I usually like to work on four at a time because I like to keep ones that are like a little bit slower to read that I really have to work on. Like one book that I'm reading on now, I've been reading since August of last year because it's very heavy. Um, but it's called, um, what is it called? I, it's, it's a longer title. Um, Trauma and Recovery, The Aftermath of Violence from Political Terror to Domestic Abuse by Judith Lewis Herman. That is a heavy book, but it does relate a lot to The um, the Body Keeps the Score. So it's been taking a while. I'm reading New and Selected Poems, Volume 2 of Mary Oliver, which I like to read before bed. When Things Fall Apart, Heart Advice for Difficult uh, Times. That's also Pema Chodron. I'm reading about bees, Bee Time, Lessons from the Hive by Mark L. Winston. That's also like a slower read. And I'm also working on My Own Words by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And that's also like one of my faster reads. So there's a few that I'll like read within like a couple of days or like a couple of weeks. So there's others that I'll work on for a few months. So books, that's that's what I suggest. Queer there and everywhere. Breeze Bookshelf. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, Breeze Bookshelf. Breeze Bookshelf. That's not a bad name for something. Yeah. You should just start a blog. You yes. do a weekly 15-minute podcast, and you talk about whatever books you're reading and break them down, and then make recommendations. It's Brie. Do you really think it's going to be 15 minutes? <gasps> but I mean, if you keep it short, then that way it's easy for you <laughs> and the listeners. If I write a little prompt and I just read it off. Um, yeah. Wait, we, could we organize this, maybe? Uh, maybe. I'm, I'm not maybe. sure that I have much to do with this, but uh, sure. Miss Andrew. <laughs> Maison Drew. that's what I call him. Maison <laughs> For those of you that don't know, my middle name is Andrew. Andrew, and if, you know, if we got we got uh, married and we were like, you know, the usual um, basic bitches, but he could take my last name because my last name is Drew. His name would be Mason Andrew Drew. His initials would be mad and my initials are bad, Brianna Alexia Drew. <clears throat> but don't call me that, it's Bree, thanks. You definitely should not have told me your middle name. I didn't know that till this very Alexia, A L X C I A. That's that's a good one. It is. It was supposed to be my first name according to my dad. My mom <coughs> was like, "No." Growing up, when your mom full name you, Brianna Alexia Drew. No, just wish you'd be like Brianna Alexia. Get yes. over here. Yeah, it was Brianna Alexia. Like you come over here right now, and if it was really Brianna Alexia Drew, you come. Yeah, but I was a pretty good kid, so I figured as much. Thanks. Well. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks, love, for being on the pod. I love you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for listening. I hope I helped people. Thank you. I think so. Okay. Make good choices. Bye. Have a good week, everyone. (laughs) Have a great week, everybody. (laughs) Bye. Go to therapy. It's good for your brain. I love therapy. I love therapy. I love therapy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Do not forget that you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It's a big help to us, and you can always contact us through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email if you have any questions um, or just want to reach out. So thanks for being a part of the community. We hope to hear from you, and have a great week. 
And remember, if it takes work to love yourself, do, do the work. work.